So last week, we listened as Pastor Jason spoke about Sabbath rest in solitude. And you may have been thinking, yeah, yeah, Pastor Jeff and Ingrid and their family, they just wanted a Sabbath rest. So they, uh, they took the week off or whatever. Uh, in reality, it was, it was part of our um, COVID protocols recovery. Um, we had, we had uh, whatever the COVID stuff go through our house, and we were all working our way through uh, that. And so... We so appreciate seeing as many of you as we did online to worship together uh, in community. But there is power in uh, taking time of rest. There is power in taking time in those silent moments to allow God to speak. There's so many other voices that we can hear in the world today. There's so many other voices that compete with the wisdom that God would have for us. And when we take time to be silent and still before him, can allow his voice that usually is never that overpowering voice. It's usually that quiet whisper that says, you need to lean in to hear me. You need to lean in to hear what I'm saying. You need to be focusing in on your relationship with me in order to be able to follow me. It gives us those moments. So it's vital for us to incorporate things like rest, solitude, and silence into our lives. Because these practices, they're, not a, they're really about not doing something, aren't they? Some of those things that we do, it's about stopping from actually doing something. And that's, again, when we allow the space for God then to do something. Now, spiritual disciplines, they're practices that we sometimes can abstain from, like I said. And other times, we engage. There's the both and to the way this works. Sometimes we stop doing some things. Other times, we need to engage in doing something. We've been abstaining. Some of us would be abstaining from, from food, fasting food. Some of it's fast food and some of it's other types of food. But we, we try to do that. We, we abstain from that. We abstain from maybe non-essential things. Um, we abstain from, again, talking, having silence, or activities that we may usually enjoy. We stop doing these things. And these practices, again, make room for God to be our sustenance for God to do and be what he needs to be and for us to focus in on that. But other times, we, we need to look to engage in practices. We need to pick up something to do. Some of those could be something like this, community, being in community and reading God's word. Now, you may be sitting there going, okay, engaging God's word and his people can be a discipline. That's something I need to discipline myself to. And in reality, if you're human, yes, yes, it is. Being together and holding the unity of us as a community sometimes takes work. Sometimes it's not even easy work. I know, I know you're, you're thinking, but Pastor Jeff, you're so easy to get along with. It's so easy to be friends with you and hang out with you. I know that's what you're thinking. It's okay. I know that's what you're thinking. It's all right. But I know not all of us can be like that. It's okay. <laughs> I can see my, eye, my wife's eyes rolling really hard right now. So easy, Jeff. You're so easy to be around. Yes. But it can be a challenge for us to actually connect and want to connect and not let those things irritate us, not let things become sandpaper between us and, uh, and, and bug us. It can be hard sometimes to pick up a book that's over 2,000 years old, has been translated out of other 
languages and other cultural like like ideas into our language and try to make sense of it in our lives today. It can be hard to do that when there's so easy to scroll on your phone or pick up a remote and just let stuff entertain you or let other people tell you about God even. It's hard sometimes to pick up his word. So then they become that discipline, that become that, that thing that we engage in specifically because we know it does something to sharpen who we are. So today we're going to be looking at those two things, community and reading God's word. So let's start this morning. God, we just come before you today as your community because of your word, your promise kept to us. And so, God, as we we look at these disciplines, as we look at how we can embrace them in order to grow in you individually and as a group, we pray that you would just open our eyes to see and our hearts to hear and our hands to do what you call us to do. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Community. When we embrace it, when we take the time to stop, take a deep breath and go, okay, I'm in. I'm in for this. It is exactly how God has established and positioned the church for a specific thing. It shows us a window of what heaven is going to be like. And yet, at the same time, it is an exercise in our sanctification, is it not? Because you look around and you go, this is heaven? This is what heaven's going to look like? And yes, yes, it is. And yet at the same time, we're just not there yet. We're just not ready yet for what heaven's going to be like. And so God is continuing to flesh out what that looks like in each and every one of us and how we accept and love and be unified together. When we look at it, it's how he's asking us to live together. It's a foreshadowing of our eternal reality. Here's the thing, all and any type of community is this. It's embracing me in the context of we. You can personalize that. It's not just about a hugathon with me. It's not about just embracing me, but embracing you in the context of us. That's what community is. And as the early church was being formed, listen to how Luke described it in the book of Acts. And this is right after uh, the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit breaking out and leading them into this new reality. It says this in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the community. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? I want you to notice something in there. 
when we read that, we can get caught up sometimes in the second sentence. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders that the apostles were doing. We can get caught up in thinking, wow, that's probably what did it. That's probably what did it. It was a show. And this show is big and awesome and amazing. And so everybody was there for the show. But I want, to, I want you to remember, if you read through that again, what were the majority of the people doing at that time? Listening to teaching, breaking bread, like having communion and, and things like that, praying. They were getting together. They were selling the position, their possessions and making sure if somebody had need in the community, their needs were being met. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple or going from house to house, eating food together, worshiping together. That is what the daily grind of their existence looked like. Being together in community. Not just necessarily watching the Apostles' super show. That was happening. But it wasn't like they were all getting together for these services where they would just watch the miracles happen. The miracle was their unity, was them coming together, was them selflessly living together. See, transformation of the community comes as they found their identity in something that is both within and beyond themselves. See, Paul would touch on it uh, as the church grew and, is, and saw people from many different walks of life, ethnicities, and culture hear and believe the loving message of salvation through Christ. In Galatians 3, 27, we read, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. All one. They were coming together. Their identity was found in themselves as they were clothed in Christ, but beyond themselves in the community of believers through Christ. But this is what Paul wasn't saying when we hear that. He wasn't saying that in Christ there is no such thing as Jewish or Gentile people, those who are enslaved or free or those who are indebted to somebody else and living that off and paying that off. There is no males or females. He's not saying that those distinctions are no longer existing. Those are realities. What he's saying is that those no longer become the primary identifying marker that you use to say, this is who I am. The primary identifying marker you use is, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. A core thread in the writing of the Apostle Paul was this, to follow Jesus. Now, Gentiles, they didn't need to become Jewish nor did Jewish people need to abandon their culture and traditions and become Gentiles. Yet both needed to let their identity be first found and then formed in Christ. Between each of the people groups, there are distinct differences. Just like in this room, there is distinct differences between all of us, where we've come from, what we've experienced, what we hope for, what God wants to use us to do. But what makes this a community is that we are one in Christ Jesus. On another occasion, Paul said almost the same thing. He said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 
13 and 14, and then verse 18. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. You are who God wants you to be. There's no need for you to conform and look more like anybody else in this room other than Jesus, other than allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in his ways. Paul wants us to see distinctly different people working together, walking with God, serving others, and loving one another according to the same Holy Spirit working through our different lives. Now, if we were to go back to that early church scenario that we talked about in Acts 2, a central way the Spirit was moving in their midst surrounded how they dealt with being different. Because you see, outside of Jesus, different often leads to division. Different leads to division. And we don't have to look very far or give you a long list of examples All you have to do is open your phone or turn on the news or talk to somebody. And you'll see that different leads to division. Different leads to a different opinion, which means you're in a different camp, which means you're, you have a different like, way of looking at things, which means now that you're not on the same page and you're actually fighting against somebody, even if you're going towards the same preferred future. But in Jesus... Difference is designed to be a prophetic sign of heavenly citizenship. And we know this because we see it in Revelations chapter 7, where it says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. It didn't become homogenous. It didn't all boil down into one look, one sound, one feel. Every Nation, tribe, people, and language coming together, which means the writer of this saw the distinction of everybody there in heaven, which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It's people who have little in common, people who come from different classes and customs and cultures, People who have different spiritual gifts, they have different life experiences, different acquired skills, all coming together in Christ. Community, when it's built by Jesus and in Jesus, when it's formed by him, it's a people that are so different except for one thing. They are one in Christ. And as one in Christ, we hold fast to looking first to see and hear others before we insist on being heard ourselves. We see and hear others first before we insist that they see and hear ourselves. And again, you may look at that and go, like, how does that work? If I'm always putting other people in front of me and I'm always listening to them, then I don't get heard. 
But again, if we, if we turn it around and the other person is sitting there going like, before I get hurt, I want to hear them. Then we have, we're, we're, what we're really doing is we're battling and saying, no, 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 you go first. No, no, you go first. No, no, you go first. And it's, it's, we're trying to outserve and outlove and outgive to each other and help lift each other up and looking to make others elevated and grow in what God has for them in their potential and see their spiritual gifts and their acquired skills used for God's glory. When we continue to do that, we all grow in Christ. Paul reminds us that, again, as we look to put others first, that we're really just following the example of Jesus. Read this, uh, and he wrote to the church in, in Philippi, and he says this, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Of who? What attitude are we adopting? The same as that of our Lord and Savior, who exists in, existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had become a man or come as man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What are we willing to die to? What opinion, attitude, stand are we willing to die to in order to humble ourselves before God? For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will bow and kneel before him. Choose when you choose to do that. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. This is something you need to choose to do on your own. In and of yourself, you choose how you're going to walk this out in community. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. That's a tough one, isn't it? (laughs) In these last two years to try and do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. And I love this next line. Children of God. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you are I love this part. You shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Do you realize we have the opportunity, not because of who we are, but because of the word that we hold on to, to shine like stars in a corrupt generation? Not because we're amazing, but because he is so amazing. As his church We come to church and be the church. As his body, we serve others. 
as his bride, we care about the sin and brokenness and injustices in the world as these are the spots and wrinkles that he's working to remove and redeem. That's what we do. Life Center, every time that you say yes to coming on a Sunday, yes to a life group, yes to a Bible school class, yes to serving on a team, yes to sharing in common, we are perfectly learning or imperfectly learning to love one another well. We're learning to love each other so well that the world takes notice. Something supernatural is taking place amongst us. This was the story of Acts. This is the story that we see Paul contending for in Galatia and Philippi and Ephesus, cities that he wrote to and had a heart for. This is our heart today for Cornwall. This is our heart for Canada and Orleans and Blackburn and other locations. At Life Center, how do we walk this out? How do we allow the Spirit to help us live in community? There's a few things that, again, we've talked about and I will continue to talk about in order to help us be formed as community. The first thing is this, is we desire to be confessional. We desire to be confessional. In John 1, 9 to 10, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We all fall short. We all are imperfect. And we need to continue to bring that to him. We confess our sin to Jesus, and we confess our sin to a trustworthy follower of Jesus. And why do we have another follower of Jesus that we confess to? Because like it says in James five sixteen, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When we expose the brokenness and darkness that's inside of us, not just to God, but to somebody else that we trust, it breaks the power that it has over us. When we try to just say, God, you know my secret sins, and you know, so you forgive me, and then we allow those secret sins to stay secret, and we don't allow anybody else in our community to know where those troubles are, they continue to hold us because we look, when we look away from God and we look down, we don't see the perfect judge anymore. We see others who may not judge us quite so perfectly. And then we try to mask and cover and, and compensate for it rather than get it out and let somebody else know so that it doesn't have that same power over you anymore. The second thing is this. We desire to be about others. We desire to be about others. God is always doing two things. He's moving to transform our hearts so that we live more like Jesus. And so together we learn to love one another the way Jesus is loving us. He wants to transform us so that we can transform how we live together. How we love those who are different is how the world can see that we are in Christ. Yet being in Christ is only found by being submitted to Christ. You can't be in him unless you allow him to be truly Lord of your life. 
We see this in John's gospel when he writes this in John 14. If anyone loves me, this is Jesus talking, he will keep my word. My father will love him and I, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. And we see David in the Old Testament asking this question. How can a young man, Andre, young man, keep his way pure? By keeping your word, I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We have to be submitted to Jesus in order to see him walk with us, in order to be in him and to be for others. The third thing is this. We desire to be encouraging. To encourage is literally, it's words infusing someone with courage. It's to say to someone who's lacking courage, to build them up, to to lift them up, to use words to allow them to have the courage they need to do what God is asking them to do, to face what they're facing in order to move forward. And as we've covered above, confession is essential for honesty and accountability. But encouragement, it fills our hearts with hope. In Jesus, all things are possible. Encouragement is like oxygen for our souls. We need the whole church to be the church so that Jesus can reach this city. This is a time to encourage, to call out the spiritual gifts, the natural abilities, and the acquired skills that God has placed on his people for his divine purpose in this hour. This is our time to celebrate our differences Celebrate the fact that we have people who absolutely love leading small groups and seeing people grow in that. Others of us don't love leading a small group. We're fine to be in a small group, but to facilitate it and make sure everybody is heard and to see people grow, we love that there are those of you who love leading groups like that. But we also need to celebrate there's some of you who absolutely love going out onto the streets and telling anybody and everybody who doesn't know Jesus that Jesus loves them. Some of you, are. it's not going to be that easy to do that. You're going to be like, uh, I'll stand behind you and say, what he said, you know, because it's just not your strength. But we celebrate the strength that each one of us has, and we say, we absolutely need you. We're behind you. We're going to support you any way we can to do the things that you need to do. And then we also don't shy away from when God asks us to either be in a small group when we feel like being, you know, all by ourselves, or when God says, I need you to actually share with that person because you're the only person they know that knows me. And so you need to say something. You need to say something. Even if it's just like, instead of I'm lucky that today worked out the way it did, you can say, I'm so thankful to God that my day has gone the way it did. Just changing our language to acknowledge the reality of Jesus actually leading and guiding us can be the difference that tweaks somebody's interest and be like, well, why, why would you say that? Why would you say that you thank God for that? How is God any part of your life? Door opened just by being honest with the reality of the world that you actually live in. 
the world of Jesus as a citizen of his kingdom. So I encourage you, encourage each other, build each other up, look for each other's skills and gifts and spiritual gifts and let them flourish. See how you can come behind others and support them in the gifts that God has given them and allow them to do the same for you. In Hebrews 3, 12 to 15, it says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be any uh, of you, uh, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. So as long as it's called today, exhort, build up, lift up each other, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have all come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We want to encourage each other. As long as it is today, and the last time I checked, every day, it's always today. So we just keep going with it, encouraging and exhorting and lifting each other up. That's what we do. The fourth thing, as we go into our, our other spiritual discipline, is this. We desire to read God's word. We, re, we desire to read God's word. We were talking about this the other night at, around our dinner table about just the whole idea of, of reading God's word and how uh, in ancient Israel, that would have been a part of their prerequisite Uh, if they wanted to go on to further studies, was uh, specifically young men in the culture at that time, was memorize the first five books of the Bible. All five. And if you don't remember which ones those are, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Exodus, Deuteronomy, those ones, you know, those ones that are real easy to remember, the ones that have all the dates and the names and the, the lists of everything, yeah, those ones, yeah. Memorize that, yeah. But we were just remarking about the, the dedication to God's holy word. That the parts that we're like, if I can make it through this, then I get to the good stories. You know, I get to the more exciting stuff. If I can just get through some of this stuff. It starts good, and then it gets a little dry there. But, and that, they were like, let's devour it. Let's memorize it. And it's not to, like, put ourselves down or anything like that. We have God's word accessible in a different way than they did. They didn't have it mass-produced, mass-printed on your phone in 16 different languages and 50 different versions. They didn't have the accessibility, so memorizing it was the way to keep it right there. But yet at the same time, at the same time, when I can know statistics from sporting events from 20 years ago, but I'm scratching my head to remember chapter and verse of a, of a Bible verse that I've known since I was a kid. I know that the discipline of understanding and knowing God's word can always grow because I don't have it all memorized. So I can always keep growing in this. People who grow more like Jesus are people who read God's word. We are immersed with so many things, and they're not all bad. Yet to know God's heart, to hear his voice, and follow his purpose for his li- our lives, we need to immerse ourselves in God's word. We need to 
immerse yourself in God's word. If you're wondering what God has for you to do and you're trying to discern and understand God's subtle voice whispering to you, it's going to sound an awful lot like what you read in the Bible. It's going to echo it and confirm it and affirm what God is saying through his written word. We know God's heart. We hear God's voice and we follow his purpose for our lives when we're immersed in his word. Remember, difference will only prophetically declare heavenly citizenship. We're all different. We're all unique in how we go through this. But if Jesus is Lord, he is Lord of all. And when anything else becomes, comes before Lord, division will be found. If we allow anything in our community, in our lives, to come before Jesus being Lord, it will bring division. So what do we do? We read God's word on our own, and we read God's word together. We focus on what it says and applying it to our lives. We are all being formed by something, and we desire to be transformed by Jesus. And I know I don't need to ask you this, but guess who Jesus is? John 1, 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can't just say, I'm with Jesus. I like Jesus. He's my homeboy. Most of the stuff written in the Bible, uh, but Jesus I'm good with. You can't say that. Jesus is the Word. End of story. If you love Jesus, his word is who he is. Submitted to God, submitted to his word, being one in Christ. This week, as a a small, uh, not challenge, but encouragement, maybe it's something as simple as if you haven't been digging into your word as much as you, you want to or think you should, Maybe start with a book like Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, a letter that that Paul wrote to them. It's six chapters. It's nice and short. You can do a chapter a day and, and focus on it for the rest of the week. And it focuses in on unity, community in the church. And so it's a great blend of doing both scripture reading and focusing on what does it look like for us to submit together in community. I challenge you, the next six days, Monday to Saturday, One chapter a day, meditate on that chapter. Read it. Let the Holy Spirit help you evaluate your commitment to his word and community. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about how you can grow in following him and living together in community. So embrace the personal, the intimate, the individual part of you following Jesus. But I ask you to equally engage in the communal confessional, encouraging part of us being together. Because in Jesus, difference is designed, again, to be a prophetic sign of heavenly citizenship. Our uniqueness, our individuality coming together is that quilt that God is making that just allows us to, to be who he wants us to be. It's living out a better story than demonizing or polarizing of one another or of people outside of our community. We take 
the step to go into community and to read his word. And then the Holy Spirit will do the supernatural. As we close, if the enemy wants to do anything to take you out, some of the first two things he's going to do is this. He's going to chip away at your spiritual disciplines, your spiritual practices. He's going to keep trying to take the things that we've been talking about through the series and pull them out of your life. And two of the primary ones that he will do is the community of God, the church. He'll want to chip and chip away at us being unified, at us being one, at us exhorting, lifting up each other, at us confessing to one another, at us building each other up and sharing all things in common. He's going to want to chip away at those things and segregate and divide us. And he's going to want to keep you out of his word. He's going to want to keep you out of God's word. The enemy is going to attack you so strong in those two areas to to take us out of commission. So I encourage you, get into your word. Get into God's word in community and on your own and find ways to live in community. Find ways to be in a small group, a life-shared group that we saw a marriage group, any type of life group. We'll be starting Heart Strong again in the spring, and it's going to be amazing. And I think this year it's all free, so it's going to be absolutely awesome. So find ways to be in community. Our spiritual warfare is keeping these practices healthy and active in our lives and allowing God to do what he wants to do in and through our community. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you are the living, active word of God. That you can cut between the marrow and the bone in our lives to find out what, is, what needs to be worked on and what doesn't. What is, what is wholly sanctified to you and what still needs a bit more work. You do that for us individually and as a community. Not because... In this moment, you're judging us and and seeing us as lacking, but because you love us and you want the fullness of your presence and experience in our lives individually and as a community. And so, God, we just come before you today, and as a community, we open our hands to you to say, this is your house. We are your people. By your spirit, we are led. We are all under the blood. And God, we confess that we don't get it right, that we sometimes hold grudges, take offense at things. We withhold when we should freely share. We don't get it right all the time, and we confess that to you, God, and to each other, but we also commit to being a part of your community and what you have for us. God, we want to commit to reading your word seeing it hidden on our hearts so that we do not sin against you. So God, may your word lead us and guide us. May your spirit empower us and may your community uphold us, exhort us, and encourage us for all that you have for us, for all that you have for Cornwall and the SDG. God, we just pray your spirit to move mightily in our midst and in this community for lives to be changed. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.